0: here. Welcome, welcome. You know, one of the things I love about our online community is you really can show up anonymously. You can practice um, by having your camera on or off. Uh, And I really want to encourage people, particularly people who are new to the Buddhist practice and are new to meditation, That sitting on a cushion, closing your eyes, sitting with a straight back, and all of those things is one way to do meditation. There are many, many, many avenues to enter into meditation. The way you walk, the way you pour a cup of tea, the way you drink your tea, the way you prepare Uh, your food, the way you sit in your chair, all of these things are meditations. So let's take this moment together to arrive fully to this present moment and honor the body and what it might be needing from you today. The journey of recovery is arduous, intense, emotional, fatiguing, we're tired, the body on the inside is doing a lot of internal repairing and healing, so if you feel inclined to lie down and rest and receive, please do so with a joyous heart. welcome everyone. This is Recovery Dharma. My name is Julia. I'm one of the facilitators of Recovery Dharma in the Spokane Sangha. On Wednesdays, we have been reading from a book called Standing at the Edge by Roshi Joan Halifax. This is what it looks like. And we are nearing the end. We have been exploring one of the inhibiting aspects to expressing compassion, one of the limitless qualities that we try to cultivate in a Buddhist practice, and certainly a quality absolutely essential for sustained long-term recovery, compassion for ourselves, compassion for one another. But there are things that get in the way. And so we've been reviewing what those things are. Today, we're going to finish a section on looking at the ways we get overwhelmed. But before we do, let's set an intention for our practice. This is a beautiful piece of art that Lo did. And on the back, she wrote a sentiment of metta, loving kindness. This sentiment reads, may you listen when the trees whisper to you. May you listen when the trees whisper to you. You know, allow that loving and kind sentiment to settle in. Maybe you've never considered the idea that trees are whispering. Maybe that resonates deeply. Take a moment to honor the guardians of this planet the breathing guardians of this planet, the trees. And may we take a reverent breath, a couple of breaths together in honor of their capacity to purify this air which enables us to live. And just simply breathing in, breathing out. We've been talking about an an inhibiting aspect to our compassion, namely the word overwhelm. When we get overwhelmed, we have the potential as human beings to become quite reactionary. And most of us, when we're in a reactionary state, we're usually negative and we run a greater risk of being unskillful. And when that happens, our capacity for patience and compassion and even understanding become more and more limited. On the journey of recovery specifically, it's very overwhelming at times. And in that space of overwhelm, we can feel very frustrated and bewildered And then our habit energy tends to become very hard on ourselves, very harsh, very urgent in meeting our expectations, very quick to remind us of our failings. And when we catch ourselves doing that, it's such a beautiful moment of awareness to breathe, to come back to the limitless, quality of compassion wow I was just being really harsh with myself what's up with that you know I think I'm feeling overwhelmed what's up with that what are the conditions causing my overwhelm are there things that I can do within my control to lessen my overwhelm And the answer to that question, friends, is always yes. There are always things we can do to shift the conditions of our lives. We may not be able to shift everything, but we're always able to shift something. And something is worth celebrating. So today, we're going to read a little bit more about what Roshi has to say about overwhelm. I want to remind us all, I want to remind us of a section that I read last week, and it has to do with our physiology there's an, there's a part of the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex the ACC this part of the brain controls our attention to emotionally arousing stimuli and becomes quickly habituated to disturbing stimuli and stops responding. Roshi writes, this may be a kind of defense mechanism so we don't get too overwhelmed by negative input. I have little doubt that our constant access to bad news today via social media and online news sites contributes to psychic numbing, moral apathy, and a deficit of compassion. This awareness about our brains is not an invitation for you to start making excuses for when you're experiencing overwhelm or when you're experiencing shutdown. It's simply an awareness of when you are experiencing some emotional shutdown, when your compassion feels like it has a lid on it. And you can't face anything more negative. There's something worth exploring. There's something worth looking at. So you can take the lid off your compassion. Otherwise, we become more and more apathetic. We begin to feel like we don't care. And in fact, we might not care. And then we succumb to despair and great sorrow and suffering. Roshi writes, When the 2015 earthquake happened in Gorkha, Nepal, I found it hard to wrap my mind around the enormity of the disaster. As the death toll climbed, the numbers stunned me. It's not that I didn't care. I did. But I couldn't begin to grasp the human reality. The day after the quake, my phone started ringing. Close friends in Nepal were trying to get tarps and food supplies into hard-hit areas, and they needed help. I immediately supported their efforts, even though I still couldn't come to terms with the magnitude of the tragedy. What woke me up, however was a small photograph on Facebook of a little monk I had met some months before in a village monastery in the Gorka area. The child looked scared and drained. The trails to this region were destroyed. The kids from this monastery had no food or shelter. Knowing this, I felt I had to help this child. It was personal, one person to another. In short order, we were able to support my good friend, Pasang Lamu Sherpa Akita, to hire a helicopter to fly into the quake-ravaged mountains to evacuate 13 little boys out of the mountains and resettle them in Kathmandu. When I read the story about their rescue in the New York Times, I felt enormous relief. One child's face, and I could not turn away from the reality that all were suffering it was this one face that mobilized me then other faces of men women and children i had met in the region began appearing on my social media feed along with the faces of the young nepali rescuers who were doing courageous work some of whom who some of whom were close friends at first upaya was supporting large companies large organizations that were doing earthquake relief but we shifted our strategy to supporting individuals who were going who were doing direct work on the ground this felt more real to us more efficient closer to the heart when our compassion is blocked by numbness or by fear judgment or distraction or the unreality of numbers we may stay stuck in the unhealthy manifestations of the edge states including moral apathy. To find our way out we need to acknowledge the obstacle to our compassion. We then discern how we can respond appropriately to whatever is present. We must deeply examine our response to suffering while letting go of self-judgment. Now friends, let's take a moment and reframe this and make it really personal. And put this in the context of your individual journey of recovery. And how often we can feel apathetic, like, well, there I go again. I have another recurrence. I'm a failure. We have some social narrative that tells us we're morally flawed lacking in character, or will even. And by repeating such sentiments, by entertaining such sentiments, we step farther and farther away from the edge, from the place of our growth, from our place that challenges us to maybe get a little uncomfortable Maybe challenge the status quo of our habit energy and do something radical instead of diminishing ourselves, beating ourselves up for having made a mistake, having had a recurrence, for instance. There I go again, once an addict, always an addict. Instead of subscribing to that attitude, instead of assigning that moral judgment to oneself, we turn inward. How can I speak to myself with compassion? How can I use this recurrence as an opportunity for my growth, as a place to understand the conditions of my substance use and misuse as an opportunity to shift my relationship to my habit degre- my habit energy by 1 degree roshi writes we can learn to respond appropriately to whatever is present. But first, we must deeply examine (coughs) our response to suffering. Deeply examine your response to your suffering and let go of the self-judgment. It's so fascinating how we've all been conditioned to highlight all of our shortcomings. We're so quick to point them out and yet we find it really difficult to receive praise, to allow our successes to be seen and measured. The Buddhist practice helps us recognize that both represent extremes we're either all negative or we're rejecting all the positives when in fact in reality we're some combination of both and during the flow of our lives we're going to have periods where we're going to be engaging more negative action than positive and then in other aspects and other times of our lives We're going to be engaging more positive actions than negative. It's all about working to lessen the extremes of this. Can you speak about your shortcomings with a spirit of neutrality, understanding, compassion? Can you speak about your successes with a spirit of neutrality? curiosity and compassion, that's the invitation. And when we're overwhelmed, when we feel ourselves shutting down and shutting off, taking time to regroup, taking time to simplify the situation, make it personal make it easy, make it achievable, small steps. It is nothing short of miraculous how that really can alleviate the weight of overwhelm. Let's take a moment, a couple of moments of silence to simply reflect on this. Just allow your mind the freedom to wander around, breathing in and out and making space for any insights that want to come forward and whisper to you. friends come on back you know friends one of the the images that we um, can hold closely um, for when we inevitably are going to ruminate we're going to be working with regret we're going to have to reflect on the past so that what we learn from the past can inform the present and what, we, what informs the present also informs the future. So going back is, and, and looking at things is a really important part of the practice, but we have to be skillful. We have to take very good care. Um, you can't just go back and, and uh, um, just on a whim, because what our habit energy is whenever we go back to old wounds is we have a tendency to rip the band-aid off or to rip the scab off. We we tend to be a little bit aggressive and a little bit harsh. And so if you can go back and look at your own wounds, you know, like a, a wound on your arm, and to remember that wounds heal from the inside out. And so the compassionate response is you're going to put on a, on a healing salve. You're going to approach that gently and slowly because you see that something needs tending to, otherwise it will fester, it will infect, it will cause more damage. So that's the compassionate act is catching ourselves when we're like... "Oh." And then go, ooh, calm down. We're going to add some gentleness there, okay? So just think of your wounds literally as wounds. How do you tend to wounds? And I'd like today for our dedication of merit um, to be inspired by our recent birthday man, Yukio um because Yukio you said something so brilliant and I think it's it's worth um taking in as a dedication of merit what you said was I may have put this on the same head but the mind is different so you know put something on your heads Maybe even a sentiment of metta. You know, put a sentiment on your head and just know that whatever you've got on your head is meeting with a different mind. And friends, may your minds be at ease. May your minds have the fullness of clarity and curiosity. May your minds be motivated by whispers of reverence, wonder, and awe. May your minds tap into encouragement and nurturance. May your minds entertain perceptions with inquisitiveness and care. May your minds be a source of amicable refuge and may your minds be instilled with the power to bring your inner landscapes, places of beauty and rest, tools for healing anywhere within that is haunted or abandoned. May your minds be seen brightly through your eyes and your smiles. May your minds come together with the heart in the wholeness of being human. Thank you for your practice, friends. We'll see you next time. Namaste.